comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice are the most powerful forces of good ever assembled. I am Supergirl. I am the Flash. My name is Oliver Queen. I had to become the Green Arrow. Dedicated to truth. Justice and peace for all mankind. Hey everybody, welcome to the DC TV podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. We want to. Yeah. Hey everybody, TV welcome podcast to take two. Yeah. Oh, sorry, take three. Hey. Everybody, welcome to the DC TV podcast episode 103. Yeah, I'm going to start it there. Because <laughs> I can. And we're back after a break. Uh, all of our shows went away except for iZombie, which we'll talk about later. And uh, one of our favorites came back, Preacher. Preacher. Pretty strong, too. I mean, we'll talk about it in just a minute here. Oh, yeah. But uh, so, but first, I'd like to introduce uh, my, my cohorts here on DCTV Podcast this week. First of all, the tulip of the group, Jerry Joe Atkins. Son, yes, that's me. Thank you. <laughs> the the fury of the group, Rich the Chubtoe Sheldon. Hello. And the Cassidy of the group, <laughs> Daryl Taylor. I got a certain set of skills. <laughs> uh, Up it. Wow, that was the worst Don Rickles I've ever heard. So, oh wow. <laughs> I tried. But, um, yeah, Preacher is, I mean, came out of the gate strong in the second, I mean, we two episodes in, we'll talk about both of them tonight, but. You uh, ain't kidding. I mean, you're lucky to have me on tonight because my mind was damn near blown out the back of my skull. These yeah. two episodes. It can happen. A lot of, a lot of drugs. A lot of drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Those sugar cookies, man. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, you better back off that. <laughs> let it go. Yeah, you gotta, let that gotta go, do man. all of them. Don't ride, the white, of them so. don't ride the white horse, man. Okay. No, don't do it. Uh, we have some DC t- uh, TV and movie news to talk about real quick first. First of all, my second favorite Batman film of all time is finally coming to Blu-ray uh, after mm-hmm. the Dark Knight. To the mm-hmm. Dark after Dark Knight, which is number one, Mask of the Phantasm, dude. That's oh my second yeah, favorite. I saw that. It's finally coming to Blu-ray, remastered, 1080p, mm-hmm. so you got all the P's. Uh, it's, in, it's going to be both theatrical and open mat uh, ratios, really deluxe version. All the extras from the earlier DVDs, commentary tracks. It hasn't been Blu-ray before? No, this is the no. first time, and it's completely remastered. All of the, uh, they went through digitally remastered, I, I watched a like, little um, like featurette about it, they digitally remastered the original animation. Um, I want to wow. see it, and it was in the movie theaters. So. It was. Well, I, I, actually, uh, I actually saw it in this. It was only. It mm-hmm. was. I'm trying to remember. There was some like huge movie that was out at that point, 
that I had no I interest in seeing, and there were like three people watching Fantastic <laughs> with me. Because I saw it in the movie theaters too. Yeah, I'm it. trying to remember what the big movie was when that came I out. I can't remember it. Um, another bit of news we got: Damon Lindelof is rebooting Watchmen for HBO. What? As a twelve-part uh, miniseries. Mm-hmm. Now I, I just... Was... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I I watched a, uh, um, a I went down a YouTube rabbit hole as one does, and I got onto a video with some people talking. What is that? Daryl's in the hood. It's Daryl's oh, hood. Jeez. Something. I'm like, is there a bomb in here? What is that? <laughs> he's, he's backing that ass up. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Daryl, back away. Do not. <laughs> I'm sorry. So anyway, I came across a YouTube video where they were ta- the people were talking about this Watchmen series and if they adapted it, you know, twelve like a twelve uh, episode mini series and left it just at that, adapting it. But you know, because how much more can they play around in that universe? But I'm like, shit. You know, season one have the Watchmen in the 40s and 50s. Season 2, have the Watchmen in the 60s through all the turmoil and crap and when the whole thing with the superheroes being unmasked or whatnot going away. Do that. And then, third season, adapt the series. And then, you know, fourth season, if you want to keep going, do other stories beyond that. I I mean, I think there's lots of material that they could play with in that universe. Well, and it's character-rich. You can go, like, episodes on just on character development. You know, you could go a lot of different directions with that. I agree. Now, did you guys, any of you, watch The Leftovers? I think Daryl did, right? Oh, yeah. I watched it, yeah. I watched the first three episodes and was out. So... You well, I, you know what? I almost gave up after the first one too, but I was like pulled back in by enough people, and I'm on the last season. And it's good. It's like I, I guess that would be what you could judge it against. Like recently, that's what he has been. Yeah, you know, uh-huh. been creative thing. It's been. You know, I'm, I've been hearing like mixed things about. It. I mean, Daryl liked it, right? Daryl, am I am I wrong about that? Yeah, you, you know the thing is of it is is that is the endings. I think. Yeah, I turn guess. people off. Can't stick the landing. Right. Like Lost. They don't. I mean, with with the book, the like, uh, the the leftovers was never about what happened. But when it comes to acting and and getting actors to really, to really give it their all, he is great. Like, if you want a lot of good character acting for Watchmen, he's awesome with that. And I think he, there's no surprise ending with Watchmen, really. I mean, there's nothing like a mystery that the audience is not in on. You know, maybe the people involved are not. They don't know the deal, but we know. You know, so it's not something where we have to worry about um, right. him not explaining something and, and we not getting it. So it'll be pretty much probably more of an introspective into what would the world be like if there were these vigilantes, you know, like what, what would it be like? What would they go through? And you'd have to add to that going through the era that they went through full of racism, misogyny. Um, you know, the political spectrum was just a a powder, powder keg. Well, I mean, yeah, look what happens to silhouette. Yeah. So there's so much you can, so much you can deal with. In, in, in Watchmen. 
in those really, 12 episodes. I really think a lot of people glossed over that before Watchmen, too. There were a lot of good stories in, in, in uh, that before Watchmen. Uh, oh, I that, loved before Watchmen. That, I didn't really that, dig it too much. I that, loved I'll it. tell you what, I'm, I'm like as big a Watchmen fan as anybody else I know and kind of a, you know, a, um, an amateur Alan Moore scholar or whatever. I would stack Darwin Cook's Minutemen up with the original Watchmen. That's how good it oh. was. Oh, it was, I loved it. I, it, it was super was good. Bad, super good, man. I mean, he even like. used the visual motifs that were in the you know, were kind of like in the original mm-hmm. Watchmen. His his style really suited that Minutemen because it was the old school forties. Oh know. my goodness, it, it was just so fit. good. It was just, it was just so good. And I agree, not all of them were great, but it mm-hmm. does show that there's a lot of IP to work with there. There's a lot of continuity. Exactly. The, there's a lot of the really cool good characters. Ones, yeah, but the really good ones took all of that, like uh, mm-hmm. the case of uh, one of what was it, the Hangman that dealt with homosexuality in that time. Uh, Hooded Justice, yeah. The Hooded Justice, um, and uh, the I, um, and the Rorschach one with uh, Lee Bermeo, where they had Rorschach as, as like a '70s exploitation uh, comic. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible, you know. So I mean, there's a lot they could work <clears throat> with there, more you know, beyond the uh, you know the uh, original That's, comics. So yeah. That's the thing, too, is uh, I'm going to have my um, geeky fanboy moment, you know, uh, not liking change, but um, I really would want them to get Jack (laughs) Carroll Haley as Rorschach in this if they do it on TV. I still think he could play that part, and he was so perfect. Oh, he, he was so that. perfect. I mean, I don't no. think that'll happen because you know how no. things work out. Is it, do you guys? Man, have, would, no. Do you guys have any I don't other? No, dr- he's not oh. doing much. Why not? I mean, yeah, I mean, I can't, it can't be that hard. I mean, <laughs> although yeah, you his know, Freddie's didn't didn't go over well, right? So maybe. Well, um, here's the thing: is there any other dream casting you would want from there? Like, for instance, I think Mads Mikkelsen, who played Hannibal, would be an ex <sighs> would be excellent as Doctor Manhattan. Because he's got that kind of like alien thing going on already. Like he he already looks like he's looking past you or looking through you. He's already got that mm-hmm. kind of like weird, creepy, non-human air to him, and I think that would work so so well in Doctor Manhattan. You know, I mean, yeah, Billy, but for Billy TV, cut up was fine. Way younger. Maybe. For TV, they usually cast way younger. I'm just like, saying that. Even, like I said, dream casting. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm well, this is HBO. It's it's for HBO though. Yeah, I mean, it's, I yeah, want Neil Patrick Harris as Ozymandias. Oh, he could be. Yeah. He could be. Yeah. Suits. I don't even know his name, but he'd be pretty as Ozymandias. Oh, the guy from Suits. You're talking about Harvey? The one that uh-huh. Harvey? Yeah. Yeah. He, he could definitely play uh, Ozymandias. He would and, play that. Arrogant. Bing yeah. Morgan as the comedian. Again. What about John, He'd be great. What, what about John Bernthal as the comedian? Ooh, that would yeah, be good. Think that would it. be good. Yeah, yeah. I can almost see that be... I can almost definitely see him being... At least his agent being called. To play that part. I yeah, threw this out of nowhere. I would have had time to dreamcast this if you would have given me any kind of notice, Jim. I'm a little salty right now. Hey, we're yeah, all shit. doing this off the cuff. Yeah, we're doing it off, <laughs> I'm just off the top of my head. It's not like that. You know. are, are you saying I don't have the right to feel salty? Are you not validating my saltivity? No, nope. oh, not right. at all. You can be as salty nope. as you like. I just uh, let me know so I can take my blood. Per- just let me know so I can take my blood pressure medicine beforehand. Okay. <laughs> I don't, want to get, I don't want to get that throbbing yeah. behind my eyeballs. You know what I mean? No, that's no, that's no good. That. That's no good. You don't want that. 
Uh, Wonder Woman has become the highest grossing live action. Could you let him say the news first, woman? (laughs) It's become the highest grossing live action movie directed directed by a woman. Uh, Wow. Is presently sitting at three hundred thirty-three million dollars uh, domestic. Is it sitting now? It is sitting. <laughs> it's it's standing. It's crouching, it's crouching heroically with the sword and okay. shield in hand. How's that? Oh, right, I'll about, about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't you watch? You got to be sitting. Six hundred six hundred sixty-six million worldwide. You you. So in in related news this week, mm. my. Their fitness class at the Export Fitness, which everybody knows of, um, was the highlighted class on the Member Appreciation Day, and the theme was Fourth of July or patriotism, and I got to wear my Wonder Woman tights. So, it's totally oh, related. Nice. No doubt. I know, right? I represented. Okay. Yes, you did. <laughs> awesome sauce. Picture it didn't happen. <laughs> I- yeah, we are. I, didn't see, I didn't see any pics on that. No. Didn't see the the picture of my pre podcasting jacuzzi and the Batman bathing suit tonight. No, no. Oh, I, I've been running around all day. I need to get caught up. Yeah, right. Yeah, check up with that and come back. My, is that the secret news group? Because I don't think I'm in. Uh, I I think I missed this live yeah, streaming. Me too. Me the... too. I missed it too. Um, Whoa. we talked about how the um, the uh, uh, missing episodes of Powerless kind of surfaced here and there, and we also talked about Adam West passing away. Uh, Adam West was on an episode of Powerless, and that episode is now available it on... great. It's now available f- to watch on YouTube, so... Damn it. As a, yeah, as a tribute to him, like one of his last last things he did. Um, so, more power to him. I know uh, Daryl's not a huge fan of the Batman 66, but Adam West is but pretty I, cool. I know what he contributed. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I know that. I would, you know. I'm just going to say this really quickly. Danielle Panabaker got married to some dude. Whatever. Right? What? She never called me back. No. (laughs) It's okay. I've moved on to Lena Luthor, dude. I'm over it. I'm over it. Okay. I'm all about Lena now. I'm all about Lena. All right. I understand. Um, There's more talk. And so far, just talk, but nothing uh, concrete. That Keenan Lonsdale will be the season four Flash, at least for the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. So something we talked about about Wally stepping in. Like the, I, I imagine they'll show Grant Gustin in the Speed Force, like right. you know, talking to his mom or something or whatever, <laughs> or having tea with his dad. Or he's the lead. We have to see him. At some right. Point. We'll see him in there, but like eventually, you know, I think Wally will get in over his head, and Barry will have to come in and help him out. Right. I don't know. But I'm glad they're giving Wally a shot. It'll be cool to see a new team flash with, like, a new focus and kind of that same kind of freshness we had from season one of The Flash. So, pretty awesome, I thought. Good news. Uh, Young Justice is happening. According to Nolan North, they just recorded episode five. It is live, and it's coming to Netflix. So, it's going to be called Young Justice Outsiders. If you are a fan of Young Justice as I am, I know Carlos Carmona on the group is as well. And probably listening, um, that's great news because Young Justice kicked ass, dude. That was a good cartoon. Um, the new Batman movie under Mount Reeves. This has really interested me because this is kind of the Batman I always wanted to see in the movie. We really never have. It's gonna be more of a noir-driven detective version of Batman. Oh, right. nice! 
So we're going to see more of the detective side of Batman, which has really not been focused on in any of the movies. I can no. Mm-mm. I mean, no. we've seen like him, you know, concentrating on the fighting and the image and the tech and everything, but not really the more, you know, the brainy detective side. That's really interesting. There was a little bit of that in, in Dark Knight, but other than, you know, just a little bit. Right, but not not a whole bunch. It was more yeah. of like, uh, you know, Morgan Freeman being his uh, cue, you know, right. coming up with stuff to help. Um, and Donald Logue from Gotham, mm. his 16-year-old son is missing. Oof. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. Since, uh, my, since June 26th, his son's been missing. Uh, he went on Twitter to publicly ask for any kind of information or anything. Um, really, uh, just, you know, that's really sad. I mean, we hope he yeah. comes back safe or whatever. Mm. Um, it's, it's, uh... He's really hitting his stride on Gotham, you know. Yeah. He's, and he's always been strong. I mean, that Terrier show he was on. Yeah. Even that, even that sitcom that. he was on wasn't too bad. Um, so, uh, yeah. I hope everything gets uh, Oh, sorts. I love that. The something Grown Up or something. Almost Grown Up. What's that? Um, I know, I know the name, name is killing me, too. It's like Almost Grown or something. Right, right. Or, uh, okay. Now I gotta look this up. I really liked it. And I like the other one, the Terriers. Yeah, that's what I was saying. That's why oh, I, I would, There was one before that. It was like a family sitcom. that There was like him and this other chick, and they were married, and they right, had like a right, family. Right. Oh, right. I think I do remember that. And he was, yeah, was on like, Sons of Anarchy, too. It was, yeah. yeah. Was, I'm looking. Grounded for Life. There you go. Yeah, yeah Grounded for show. Life, yes. That's the show. Okay. He was also in the Max Payne movie with Marky Wahlberg. <laughs> oh, don't remember that. Don't want to. Yeah, actually, I actually saw that, and I wish I could forget it. Cause I did a, see that, too, and I don't remember. Hour and a half of my life, I won't get back, so there you go. Um, all 30 DC Universe original movies, all the animated movies, are going to be collected into one giant box set. I kind of want that. Everything from beginning with Superman Doomsday all the way to uh, the latest, which would be Batman and Harley Quinn. I kind of want it. Of course you do, nerd. I want that. I won't buy it, but it will end up in my downstairs, yes. See, I want it, but then I I have a feeling when they do that access thing, that that Warner Brother thing. That's all going to be on there. It's all going to be on there. So if you want to watch it whenever you want to, it'll be right there, Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know. There's some things I like physical media on. Like, I have the Justice League DVD sets, and they're in a really nice steel box with, like, two steel books that fit inside. Mm-hmm. It's, a really nice, it's a really nice um, uh, physical thing. Uh, I've also mm-hmm. got the boxed, a boxed VHS set of the first season of Batman Animated Series, and they all stack. Uh, they're on 13 tapes, and they stack in the box, and they spell Batman, you know, with the logo on the side, on the sides of the tapes. Am I describing that well enough so i like to have like some physical media and some stuff so i'm i might look at this i i'm sure it's going to cost a pretty penny but oh yeah, yeah. but it sounds it... like something that exists downstairs in my basement yes mm-hmm. yeah it looks yeah. like something it sounds like something that would be um like right in front of your uh, wall screen too your room divider you know and that uh, might be downstairs is the entire collection and that's all the collected box sets and and collector sets and like thematic sets of every comic book movie and 
animated short and feature ever downstairs. So. Well, this makes me think they might make it available on that channel when they do it because they usually try to do a big collection of stuff. They did it with Star Trek, you know, before they put it right. on Netflix and right. and That's Amazon yeah, and Hulu. And well, not only that too, it's on some of the digital broadcast channels. Right. Star Trek's on that. I uh, was it Heroes and Icons like mm-hmm. every day. Every day they do that and BBC. Yeah, and, right. They have the next gen and stuff too. Yeah, so they do that one last push of a collection to get the people that do want to own the physical media before they before they do it, release it somewhere else. Yeah, I don't know. I have to see like this, what it looks like. You know, what I mean, like if it's a nice uh, physical thing that looks good on my shelf. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. not just a whole bunch of stuff put together. And a final bit of news. Uh, Miss Candace Patton won the Saturn Award for Best Supporting Actress for her work on, on as Iris on The Flash. Well, she fine, that's for sure. She fine. <laughs> she gets the award from Daryl for being fine. Oh, man, I follow her Twitter. She fine. She fine. Okay, well, let's start off. To, let's get into Preacher. What do you say? Yes, please. Let's do it. Now, I, we all talk, I mean... The first season, I thought, like, ended strong. Kind of, like, it seemed to me like it, it took a long time to get to a really good ending. Oh, it took forever. It, for it, it yeah, it kind of, was, yeah, it was up and down. It was playing with our emotions a little bit. That's true. And I'm coming from it from not reading the books, but hearing all these wonderful things about the books and going, where's all this great stuff that was everybody's told me about the books? It's here, Daryl. Well, I know it's here now, but I mean, that wasn't in the beginning of the first season. It wasn't in the first half of the first season. That's what I mean. Well, they certainly uh, kicked it into high, you know, quite oh, literally man. for this uh-huh. <laughs> this premiere, because it's called On the Road, and as uh, Anvil is gone, it's just pff, gone, as we saw <laughs> from the last uh, of the first season. And uh, Jesse and Tulip and Cassidy are on the road, driving around. They have a talk about foreskins. Yeah. Uh, they have a talk about Come On Eileen. Yes. Which, <laughs> which is, you know, the best song about Bukaki ever written. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, they end up with the cops on their tail. But when they got into the car chase, with Tulip driving there, they kind of, like, went to this, like, grindhouse filter... Yes. Yeah, they, they did. did. Yeah. The 8-millimeter, yeah. yep. yes. 8-millimeter. It looked yes. all grainy and scratchy and stuff, and I Ooh. thought that was just cool as all hell. It was also kind of a, a way to almost cartoonify it, you know what I mean? Like, make it right. a little less serious, but all, you know, more fun. It's and, kooky and crazy. It's 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 mysterious and kooky. Even the, the dialogue between them in the car, like, that's the stuff that I expect from a... Um, from, from a Garth Ennis written stuff story. Right. Yes, absolutely. And that's more the kind of stuff I expected in the first season. From the, right. that's the kind of stuff you get in the comic, you know, it kind of right. looks like pseudo metaphysical banter and almost Tarantino esque bullshit mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. mixed together in this really nice, you know, fun dialogue, you know. Right. So, um, they run out of gas <laughs> during the. Oops. And then they have an end up in a firefight with the cops, and finally Jesse uses the voice on him. He makes the officer stand down, and then he makes one of them sing the Yellow Rose of Texas. 
And then all of a sudden they start dropping like uh, extras in a Deadpool movie. Um, all the cops die and our heroes scramble for cover. It's the Saint of Killers, everybody. And he's after uh, Jesse. Uh, we find out this episode as well that every time Jesse uses Genesis, the Saint is able to find him. Right. Almost like uh, Frodo in the ring, right? Anytime he used the power of the ring, they, they knew where he was and stuff. So I thought that Which, was... Him. I know they have been, uh, you know, a bit over the top on the gore, but when that one cop's head, like, the whole top of his head, just <laughs> gone, I was like, what? <laughs> oh, man. That was crazy. That was crazy. I just don't, what, what got to me a little bit was, they were all kind of quippy and stuff, and then once everybody started dropping like flies around, like all these like pretty innocent cops, I mean, they're just doing their job or whatever, right? Like, they start dying, and then they're still quipping, you know? They're not like, oh man, we should get the hell out of here and stuff, they're like still making jokes mm-hmm. and stuff for a bit, and then before they... Yeah, and, and Jesse didn't they're even take the word away. Right? Oh, yeah. Do I know? Comedy sleeps for no man. Comedy sleeps for no man. This is gallows humor at its finest. Uh, oh, yeah. But you notice, I, I know I don't know if the, this is dealt with in a book, but I mean, in the show, you, I kind of notice how Jesse's becoming less and less uh, responsible with the gift. Sure. Yes. Sure. He seems to be, uh, you know, like even with the cops, he didn't even tell them to stop singing. Like, he had them doing all silly stuff, and two of them didn't like it. Um, like he went there get shy. Like he could have said, "Defend yourself, get away, something." He just, like, you know, he's he's starting to to distance himself from really thinking about the damage he does when he uses that word, when he right. uses the word of God. Yeah. Plus, I mean, that, that puts a little bit of a damper on. It. He doesn't just get to use it left, right, and center because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know he's got to really, really pick and choose. Um, after they escape the scene of killers, Jesse and Co hook up with Mike. <laughs> Fun-loving Mike, a no-nonsense fellow preacher, right. who, uh, whose method for breaking sinners is locking them in a tarp-covered cage until they stop sinning. Right, and that can come off so creepy and un- and make me uncomfortable. How uh, preacher didn't he act like he didn't even care about it? Like it wasn't a big deal to him. Um, but then when then when they put in in the scene uh, like a l- couple of seconds later, she hey. she wants her phone to take a selfie in the cage. I was like, oh, you know what? I, see the, I get yeah. the joke. I get the he, joke now. I yeah, yeah. Snake moaned her. He totally yeah, black moaned her. And she wanted to take a selfie, and that that negated anything else. Right. About what you know, like you seeing her in that cage asking for help. When she wanted that phone for herself. What I want to know, is there anybody else he's never met that wants to tell him how to minister? I don't know. It was crazy. Yeah, it was, I, I enjoyed, it was a funny scene. Like, it was a funny, that could have went left. It could have went left, but it was a funny, but it didn't. And it was a funny scene. And it wasn't overboard, it didn't go overboard with it, but it was just funny enough. (laughs) <laughs> when they threw in about the selfie, I just cracked up. Like, yes, that is the satire. That is the true. Uh, uh, yeah. 
you know, a true joke on on how America is right now, especially teens. Commentary. It, it captures yeah. the same kind of kind of um, youthful like frivolity slash criticism that Supernatural pulls off every once in a mm-hmm. while. Still, yeah. you're just like, crap. This is funny because I do this. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. You do. You take selfies oh, in the cage. Okay. In the hot tub. Well, in the hot tub, I, that's all right. It's a hot tub, but in the cage. Um, Jesse thinks that Mike, who's an old family friend of his, might know something about where God is. And he says, that, yeah, a woman named Tammy, who was one of, previously one of Mike's subjects uh, of spiritual cleansing, claims to have seen God rather recently. And uh, Jesse Tulip and Cassidy leave just in time to dodge the scene of killers again. And he settles for confronting Mike instead. But Mike is smart enough to kill himself first. Before mm-hmm. the Santa Killers gets a chance. So Yeah, I like that scene. That was a that was a really good scene. And it was it was protective of preacher too. It, it shows it showed how much he was he cared and he was being protective of his old friend. Right. But uh, but now that girl is stuck in that cage. She's gonna die. Oh, oops. Was she ever oh. really living with her social media addiction? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know, I don't know. Jerry. You tell us. Let's look at her Facebook <laughs> profile and find out. Girl, look up girl in a cage. Girl, 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 in, girl in a cage. Girl in a cage, public group. Here it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse Tulip and Cassidy head off to Tammy's office at Shishi Strip Club. Uh, Cassidy, being Cassidy, decides to get a lap dance. Of course. And Jesse and Tulip confront Tammy. She confirms she saw God, but won't really say anything about him, uh, other than he likes jazz, and he stares at you so hard that you'd who shit doesn't? yourself. Well, a lot of people don't like jazz. I don't know. They aren't people if they don't like jazz. Uh, Cassidy gropes a stripper, and Oops. the ensuing fracas with a bouncer ends in an accidental gunshot. It goes right through the wall and hits Tammy. Um, but I, but before that, it was a fun scene of hearing. Like, you, you automatically think, oh, God fell in love with a stripper, right? Yeah. And, no, it wasn't that. Uh, it was he fell in love with jazz, and that's what he's been following. And I thought that was a nice difference, because usually that would be the first go-to joke. Is that, you know, God fell in love with a stripper, and that's who right. he's following, you know, wherever he Look is. Look how edgy we are. Right, exactly. But they didn't even need to go that route. Instead, it was, uh, you know, it was it was more memorable, and I think it fit better to just have it that. Why wouldn't God fall in love with music? You know, forms right. of music. And I really like the um, the way they did the uh, they filmed this. You could see the shooting like on a security camera mm-hmm. in Tammy's office before the uh, bullet like propels the action into the room. That was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, it was. Um, Jesse uses the voice on Tammy before she bleeds out, but she really doesn't tell him anything can help. Um, Jesse and company go back to their crappy hotel. Uh, Jesse and Tulip hook up, and Cassidy just hears their headboard slamming into the wall between their rooms. Uh, Jesse goes outside for a cigarette, and he's out there, and Slave Killers is out there, too. Oops. And he levels his gun at Jesse, and Jesse keeps telling him to stop, but the voice isn't working on the Santa Killers. 
Um, and just really quickly, this episode was dedicated, it says at the beginning, for Steve. Uh, that was in honor of Steve Dillon, who was the co-creator of Preacher, who passed away back in October. Yeah. So. Strong episode, man. Good, good. Yeah. Well, good the gun, it was. Yeah, the, the gun fights, the way that he, when he shoots that gun, like, with the police, and the way they show it, it was almost like a movie. It was cinematically. It was. It was. Oh, the cinematography through this whole piece was relevant. Definitely, it, was, it did. Yeah, like yeah, it. very stylish indeed. They really very thought about it so. a lot. You mm-hmm. know, they really, like, like I mean, like the, like I said before, like the grindhouse filter before, and then the, right. the, the security camera here in this scene. And, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, just the way they shot it, it really showed a lot of thought. Oh, it worked so well. Like it, it really. Uh, it really made it feel like a genuine, like it almost has a, a bit of a cowboy movie in it. Like it almost it felt, felt like a little a, bit like with the Badlands to movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great because I mean those are both like kind of themes that show up in the comic too. So that it really it's really cool they're kind of bleeding over into the show in more more of a way than they did last time. Yeah, so. Sweet, I give this one an A, man. This episode gets an A from me. I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I'm like yes. This is the preacher show I wanted in the first season. Yeah. I'm so glad we're finally getting it now. Hey, I'm giving it an A. Yeah, I have to agree. At definite A. This one passes on all marks. And you know, I don't want to knock season one too much because I think it kind of it really did help set the stage for a lot of things. It just could have done it in a shorter period of time, I think. But um, this is a hundred times better and it I'm I'm just happy. Okay, well I've been thinking. Mm-hmm. I know things. <sighs> I'm smart. Gonna react when I, I just did, I just did, I just did. Nothing ever good comes from Jerry thinking. Uh, is it is it too easy that Jesse gets the Genesis? Isn't that the total like mansplaining thing personified i've been toying with my own you know personal version of the genesis so daryl at this point i want you to mace your balls chubb i want you to yellow rose of texas um jim can you put this on my instagram or no (laughs) yellow rose of texas I was and already doing that. I don't that. know the words. <laughs> I, I lived good. there for three <laughs> decades and never bothered to learn. Uh-huh. Just a word. What, what, that was the only unrealistic. You know what? It's apropos that they actually chose that song because few people know, like modern day, that the Yellow Rose of Texas is all, is actually about a light-skinned woman, like black woman in Texas yep. that the guy's singing about. Yep. So Tulip is definitely a light-skinned black woman. But nobody knows the words of that song. How like what's, unrealistic is that? What's an Instagram? Oh, oh right. It's, yeah, it's this. Okay, so there's an app on your phone, and you take okay. the pictures. And if you do it too much, you get locked in a cage. Wait, let me so flip I, my phone. Let me flip my phone open. Yeah, flip, flip that up, phone. Flip, up. flip <laughs> that phone. We have gone off Turn the rails. Your I don't see. I don't see Instagram here. I see. Uh, I see a little. Looks like a little phone and. Uh, <laughs> Wait, does there say Nokia across it? No. Oh, okay. It's not that old then. Doomed. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, uh, so everybody gives it an A, pretty much. 
Yeah, we're giving it an A too. We're giving it an A too. Sweet. Awesome. The Romanian judge says C. Uh, there's that. The um, second episode of Preacher is called Mumbai Sky Tower. Because that's the name of the casino they're headed to. Um, first off, we see Jesse gets saved by a truck driver that speeds between the saint as the bullet is flying toward Jesse. A truck driver just speeds into the frame and takes the bullet. Seems pretty... Uh, Convenient, doesn't it? Yep. As if, yeah. uh, as if yeah. there was some sort of, I don't know, divine intervention at work. Kind providence. It sure worked out for uh, Jesse. Yep. <laughs> um, the, uh, Jesse and Tulip and Cassidy escape by the skin of their teeth from the, uh, the scene of killers. They, they burn down the motel and they leave a pile of bodies behind them cool action sequence and they head for the Mumbai Sky Tower Casino where uh, the fallen angel Fiore who we met in season one mm-hmm. is uh, moonlighting as a stage magician it was so subtle too like how they how they showed it yeah yeah it was cool uh, you know what I've been listening to one of those audible free books better than movies and it's um, the prestige totally reminds me of his act huh well, we get Frank Frank Patel uh, uh-huh. covering covering Frank Sinatra's "That's Life," and mm-hmm. Fiore indulges in a whole bunch of earthly pleasures, drinking, gambling, and sex, and then he starts killing himself in a variety of creative ways. And For every time pay, he, though, yeah, and every time he dies, he quickly regenerates. So, because as we know, the only one who can really kill an angel is. The Saint of Killers. Right. Um, Jesse and Tulip and Cassidy showed up. Fiore kind of seems glumly resigned to his fate as a stage performer. Um, he kind of half-assedly greets a terminally ill child who, uh, like, is unsuccessfully begging him to reveal the secrets, you know, to his immortality. Uh, what gives him what- a creepy doll of himself? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what Fiore won't do is call off the Saint of Killers. Yeah. Um, Cassidy um, shows Fiore an illicit drug he hasn't experienced uh, and tries to win him over. And only after a breathless monologue that includes basketball, frisbee, a bunch more drugs, and an extended dip in a hot tub with a stack of Archie comics. Uh, along the way, Fiore develops a crush on Cassidy. It's an oddly poignant reminder of the legendary friendship he shared with DeBlanc, as well as the loneliness that came after his companion was gone. So He's uh, got a new friend. There's a uh, Jesse makes an impromptu marriage proposal to Tulip in the casino. Uh, they go down to the quickie wedding chapel, but Tulip sees a face from her past. Gary. Mm-hmm. Before you go into Gary, the the whole thing of the waiting like you're waiting for a table at a restaurant with the little pager thing for the wedding chapel was priceless. I thought that was hilarious. Makes sense. <laughs> um, Tulip excuses herself, meets with Gary in her hotel room, and he attempts to convince her to get back in touch with someone named Victor from New Orleans. 
and then she re- and then she refuses. They fight, and Tulip wins just in time for Cassidy to stumble in the room, and and in yet another secret they're keeping from Jesse, uh, Tulip convinces Cassidy not to mention it. Um, they get back, and Tulip calls off the wedding. And they uh, decide to continue their search for God by uh, using the only clue they have. Uh, jazz. His love of jazz. And um, where is jazz popular? Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't know. What would that be? Uh, Fury mm-hmm. agrees to summon the state of killers and call them off. So Jesse Tulip and Cassidy hit the road with his blessing. But Fury has a change of heart following Jesse's gentle Genesis tinge instruction to find peace. And when the saint arrives, Fiore reaffirms his original deal, believing that Genesis is still too dangerous to be with Jesse. And then he orders the saint to kill him on stage. It's a final performance, and there's no regeneration, and the audience hates it. And they boo his corpse. Sad. Yes. Very much so. So next week we're off to New Orleans. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Interesting too. Like the, the whole thing with Tulip, kind of you right. knew she was hiding something, besides you know what she did with Cassidy. Um, you knew that was going to come back to haunt him. I mean to haunt her, but we didn't know what it was, and then how slowly we get to see it. Like, when she chased the guy, it was like, did she owe money? We still don't know for sure. It's like, dude, was she supposed to be married to him? Did he owe money? Like, we don't don't really know what her deal is. But that one guy is just like, you know... It was just interesting to see all of it. It was, like, interesting to see right. how that came about. It was interesting. The, the drug thing. To see mm-hmm. how they set up. I mean, we've seen it before in other movies right. where they have a night of, of, of doing drugs. It's not like a new thing, right. but was interesting yeah. on how they did it for this TV show. Perfect. Yeah. And one in one episode, how they kind of uh, did it to have it where they, they you know, how they're using jugs. They use music to kind of set the tone for it. So it was a fun episode, <laughs> even though you knew it was going to get dark again. But it was a fun scene. It it was a fun scene and still dark in a way because you got this angel that's pretty much wants to die. Like this dude wants to, not an angel, I think he's a demon or whatever. He just wants to go, he wants to die, but doesn't want to go to hell. Right. And he doesn't know where they go when they do die. He doesn't know where angels go. He's a fallen angel, and they ask him, you know, where do angels go when they die? And Mm -hmm. he says, well, that's the the question, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. So now it's a little playing field. Like you're with us. You have no freaking idea. This is all unknown territory. This is all the great unknown. So you're no better than any of the other creatures you used to judge and think you were superior to. Period. That's how it should be. Sweet. Well, uh, letter grades. I will give it. I have to give it overall. Both get an A. I I dug both. I mean, there was just so much in in. They jammed so much, but it didn't feel like they they jammed it. But they there was just so much going on in these, these two episodes. Um, and yeah. Je- and 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 preacher, he's just becoming more and more irresponsible. Yes, 
with the gift. Like he was gonna bring the Saint there to to Vegas, which would have like he would have killed everybody. Yeah, you know to get him, and and uh, that was his big master plan. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you've got the crew. You've got you've got Tulip in one ear being, you know, his Jiminy Cricket and right. you know, even Cassidy at some point makes some sense. You know, so you've got like a group. It's not just him making all the calls. To me this this show is, is starting to it like just hit its stride and hit the, the same momentum that Mad Men and Breaking Bad did in their prime. Like to where you can't wait to know what comes next and you're looking for the little ends and the right. clues and the visuals and the themes, and it's it's getting that good for me. So A, for sure. I have to give it an A, too. I really loved it. I liked it as much as the episode before it, and uh, I think it's, it's really uh, impressed me so far this uh, season. So A. Yeah, I like this one as much as I did the first episode of the season, and uh, but the letter grade slightly different. I'm giving this one an A plus. The plus for the choices in music they yeah. used in this episode was phenomenally awesome. So I just all the things you guys said, and then add that music on top of it. It was it was a good episode. That's why I likened it to Breaking Bad. That Breaking Bad really had the had the market cornered for a while, getting those songs in the right places to really make it poignant. It's an old, uh, it's like a thing Scorsese really did well in the seventies, kind of made popular and yeah, yeah. Um, I know uh, Coppola did too, like Apocalypse Now and some of his other movies. Yeah. So, okay, well, thanks for talking preacher with us, Jerry. We're going to move on to I Zombie now. Pleasure was all yours. Later. Have fun. Have fun at Dicks. <laughs> I run. You run Dicks. You run it. You run that Dicks. Let's talk about the last three episodes of I Zombie. Wow! Holy crap! Mm-hmm. Talk about especially that finale. Oh my yeah. god! Oh, finale, wow. especially. Jeez, Louise. Let's start out with uh, Conspiracy Weary. Uh, was episode 11. Uh, Liv and Blaine rescue Donnie and Ra- Ravi from the anti-zombie uh, militants. Uh, Fillmore Grave soldiers arrive. They kill two of the militants. And then uh, Liv, Donnie, and uh, Blaine eat the brain of one of the militants who is a conspiracy theorist, and it makes Liv paranoid. Um, Liv finds out that Shauna, Major's new psycho girlfriend, is posting everything, all of her personal crap on Tumblr. And then Major kind of, like, cuts her out of his life. You know, um, I thought her secret or whatever was weird about her was going to be way worse than that. And it was, so yeah. when it turned out to be that, I was like, oh, eh, okay. I thought there'd be dead bodies involved. Yeah, me too, yeah. Peyton's investigation into James Weckler's death, remember he was the guy who killed the dominatrix, supposedly, Yeah. Uh, goes deeper. She meets his daughter, finds out she's a zombie, um... After um, they went after a vision, um, Baracus D.A. Baracus wins the mayoral election. Yes, um, he does. He beat Bill Corbett. Did you notice uh, he beat Bill Corbett? Jumped Bill Corbett, the voice, the voice of uh, TV's Crow, wisecracking Crow from MST. Yeah. No, yeah, I, they, didn't, I didn't yeah. catch that. No. Yeah. They like to throw Easter eggs in there. I mean, like with oh, the yeah. D.A. Oh, Baracus yeah, yeah. and Dale Bozio and you know, stuff like that. It's pretty funny. 
um, Rachel, the photographer that was kind of into Ravi, is actually a journalist writing about zombie fanatics. He finds out. Clive and Liv get a lead on the whereabouts of Harley. They track him to a hidden underground shelter at his cabin. They find Harley when Liv has a vision, uh, but the vision proves that he was innocent of the murder of Wally's family. Um, Clive is able, or Liv is able to tell Clive before Harley fires a gun. Uh, Clive returns fire and kills Harley. However, Harley survives and is now a zombie. <laughs> Irony. Yeah. Uh, Ravi discovers Rachel's article revealing the existence of the zombies. You know, I really feel for Ravi so bad. He cannot have any luck with women at all. Nope. He's, no, he's, no. Either he's screwing it up or they're screwing him over or it's just poor dude, man. It's kind of like uh, Cisco there in the first two seasons of The Flash. He just couldn't yeah, get it right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's funny because at the end of this episode, it was like, oh no, they're revealing the existence of zombies. But then, like the by the finale, it's like big effing deal because yeah. <laughs> it's like full on right. zombie apocalypse, you know. But right. I remember seeing this episode and thinking, oh my god, you know. But by the the end of well, let's just move on to it. I, I mean, I thought this episode was cool. I give it a B. It was an you know average episode. I mean, compared yeah. to what what happens later. Yeah, um, I agree. B. The, uh, the next episode, 12, is called Looking for Mr. Goodbrain, Part 1, and uh, it's like the first part of the season finale. Um, <clears throat> Liv's call, Liv calls Major, and then Major sedates and freezes Harley. So the, the anti-zombie zombie is now a zombie sickle. Um, Chase Graves deduces that Major is human from looking at Shauna's posts, and then he fires him from Fillmore Graves. Um, Major's teammates, they don't know that he's human. Uh, they admire the risks he took, and they plan a farewell party for him. Um, Liv is now disguised as a human, and Ravi receives a new case. The murder of his former boss, uh, Katie Cups. That's gotta be a porn name, right? Yeah. Gotta be. Um, a colleague reveals that Cups was tracing a flu outbreak and interviewing witnesses. Um, Baracus hires Peyton as his chief of staff, staff, um, Natalie returns and comforts Major after Shauna, and uh, Major takes Natalie's offer to join her in Europe to escape his notoriety. Um, man, troubles he has, huh? One woman, one hot lady to the next trying to save exactly. him, right? Oh, yeah. Tough life. Um, Liv meets a potential witness at a hotel and nearly sleeps with him because she realizes now that Katie Cuffs was a sex addict. Whoops. <laughs> well, it's right there in the name. Just saying. I guess with a name like that, right? Liv increasingly feels powerless against these like sexual urges and she ends up cheating on Justin with Chase Gray. With, with Chase Gray. I know. Of Ew. all of you. Of all of you. Exactly. She couldn't have called the nice Justin boy and had him come over? No. No. She was. She couldn't have called Major for, for you know, friends with benefits hookup or something? Had um, to be a stranger. Afterwards, Liv finds a clue suggesting that Chase is to somehow tied to Cup's murder. 
Um, Clive identifies the daughter of a Fillmore Graves executive as the likely transmitter of the virus. Um, Harley sneaks into Major's party and detonates an explosive vest, and he seems like he kills most of the guests at the party. That was part one. Let's just put it all together for a grade, I guess, because it's supposed to be like two parts of a... It's like a two-parter, right? The season finale? Because uh, this one's called yep. Mr. Looking for Mr. Goodbrain Part 2. Um, and this one's actually directed by Rob Thomas, the guy who created the series. So, uh, Major becomes a zombie again. What are you doing? Can he not go through one season without doing one incredibly dumb thing? Obviously not, because he makes so many bad decisions. It's kind of become his character trait. Of course, there's another bad decision later in the episode that I'm just like, what? Why? Why? Um, okay. Justin learns about Liv's affair. Learns about Liv's affair with Chase and breaks up with her. Um, Liv and Clive suspect that Chase murdered Cups, but it turns out that Fillmore Graves executive Carrie Gold and her daughter are the real killers. Uh, they learned Carrie also murdered Walter Reed and Vivian. They blew. She was the one who blew them up. And forced James Weckler to kill the dominatrix to aid Barack's campaign. Plus, they've introduced a deadly disease into the public. Because zombie apocalypse wasn't enough. No, of course not. It's not enough we're going to make everybody zombies with flu shots. We've got to do that too. Uh, Chase kills her, but her plan has enough support among four grave staff that Chase is forced to proceed with it. And the, using the vaccine, vaccinations against the deadly disease to turn humans into zombies. And two of the people who get turned in this episode anyway are Dale Bozio, which considering why she why Clive had to break up with her is kind of crazy. And right. Johnny Frost and Johnny Frost, the news uh, the news guy, who we keep seeing on and off as the show goes on. Um, Liv persuades Johnny to reveal Zombie's existence to the public on TV. Right. After which, Fillmore Graves helps maintain order between humans and zombies. Um, Ravi develops a potential vaccine for the zombie virus and ingests it. And he persuades, he tries to persuade Liv to, Liv to scratch him to test, to test it. Oh, not happy with that decision. No. So it's full on zombie apocalypse in Seattle, pretty much. Oh man, is it? It's all over. I mean, it's gonna be like zombie town by the time well, the next season starts. And I, you know, here's the thing. And of course, I'm they do have good writers, so they'll they'll write something really well, I'm sure. But you know, they're basically saying Seattle is ours. Everything living in here is now unliving because of what they've done. Um. The federal government's just going to come in and, and, and bomb the hell out of the place. I mean... Or or cordon it off. Build a wall. And get the zombies to pay for it? Well, maybe. Uh, you got to take that up with the administration, man. I'm, I'm just saying, there are a lot of different ways they go with this. I mean, imagine a, a whole city just, you know, on a zombie economy, you know? Where are they going to find brains for that many people, you know? Where are they going to, I mean, how are they going to process on that kind of scale? You know, right. to get people the brains they need to go before they go feral, you know? I mean, it's just kind of, it's kind of, I mean, on a small scale, you can see, almost see them doing it, but on a scale of hundreds or thousands, 
I mean, we'll think about the meatpacking industry, you know, or yeah, you know, or anything like, or any other like. Well, if they get their way with the whole, you know, donate your brain when you die. I mean, that might do it, but I just don't see the the rest of the country going. Yeah, okay. How about we just bomb the shit out of them? I just don't think you're going to have enough people dying to have enough brains. So. Well, no, they, know, we'll did, they did the math there, you know, in his little speech, and I mean that yeah. kind of made sense. But mm, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But I like this. I like this finale. I like what it's up. It's how it's really opening up the story in a big, major way. So I give this season overall a B. I think. Yeah, I I agree. It it's definitely B territory. Um, I. I have definitely enjoyed more of the like some of the one-off episodes this season. Yeah, previous seasons. I mean, the stuff yeah. like the Dungeons and Dragons one, all that. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I the love domi- it. the Dominatrix one. Oh, really right, yeah. right. And then it got serious. I mean, it got really, really serious. And know, towards the end, the goth one, right? Too, where she went goth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one like just completely changed the status quo of this entire show. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, it's totally... I mean, they, you know, people say it every season in the finale. This will change, you know, everything. This literally changed everything. Yep. Um, I don't know what's going to be the status quo for the show next year. Well, that season opener will be crazy. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, is it? Well. Gonna, I don't know if they've done any scheduling yet, but is it going to be mid-season? They haven't they haven't slated it yet. Yeah, as far as I know. But yeah, good stuff, man. Good good finale, good uh, season ender. I'm I'm excited for the next season, and that's the best you can do, you know, if you Mm want to get me locked into next next year. So I'm there. I'm in. I just I I just enjoy it. I enjoy the characters. I mean, it's just. it's been a fun season. It's it's weird because I know people forget about this show, especially when it starts mid season. Um, so I hopefully you know next when it does come back, it's put in a place where it's not you know it's not the ratings are not hurt because it did hurt the ratings for this show. I'm glad it's holding some of the ratings because it's mm-hmm. an, it's a fun concept and it's well written and smarter than most shows and. Uh, I mean, it's like like we said, it's like the the supernatural procedural done right, as opposed mm-hmm. to Lucifer, which has kind of lose it, lost its way a little bit this season. Oh, so. Poor Clive in the love of his life. Yeah, now she's a zombie, and he's oh, not. Oh man, now you know you get her back, and then you and then there's something else that's keeping them apart with uh, this whole yes. thing. It's always well, something. everybody else mm-hmm. is getting them to scratch them. Who knows if Clive will be the next one? Mm-hmm. Just in time for her. To, just in time for her to get the cure. Right. right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thanks for joining us this week on our trip through DC TV. We'll be back in two weeks to talk more. Uh, we'll talk about two more episodes of Preacher. Uh, that'll be our summer schedule. I'm hoping to grab uh, Aaron Newworth uh, to talk about Preacher as well, as he writes about every week for uh, the young folks. He's uh, one of our co-contributors on the Walking Dead TV podcast. So uh, hopefully by next. Show we'll have him on as well. I tried to uh, get him tonight, but he's going to see Baby Driver in 4DX. He's a busy, busy guy, so we'll get him right. 
But if you go to uh, the Walking Dead TV podcast Facebook group, you can see his uh, uh, or or the DC TV podcast Facebook group. You can get the links there to his reviews of Preacher every week as they come out at theyoungfolks.com. So yeah. check that out. Uh, the Taylor Network of Podcasts is headed by the man who co-hosted this show with me, Mr. Gerald Taylor. Uh, no apologies is there. Culture Trapping is there. Uh, the Sunday Comics series has been really good. And a lot of great interviews and fun stuff there. And speaking of interviews, Double Page Spread. Wendy Freeman continues uh-huh. to have, have one of the best comic interview uh, shows on the net. Really, no lie. Check it out. Uh, all kinds of great stuff. TaylorNetworkOfPodcast.com. And including uh, the last episode of Nothing's On was really interesting. Donnie Salvo went kind of uh, inside baseball in the world of like stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, from from you know from his perspective of having done it as long as he has and stuff so. and still doing it yeah and still doing it right and it was just really kind of interesting you know uh, so that was a cool episode you might want to check out uh, definitely uh, like I said and Taylor Norco podcast is also a great place for um, you know news uh, links reviews things like that go there check it out uh, hhwlod.com is where this podcast came from. Uh, Please uh, go there and check out the Walking Dead TV podcast. We're covering Fear of the Walking Dead right now. It's almost over already. Wow, it went pretty quick. You know, this season's been a much big improvement over last season, so I've been I've been really happy. Yep. Um, so far with it, and I'm glad I came back to the show for Fear. Uh, we also got uh, it's all connected there. We're gonna be talking about Defenders soon, man. Defenders. Yeah. On uh, on that the Marvel TV podcast. And uh, all kinds of other fun stuff. Check it out there, hhwlod.com. And until next week, thank you, Daryl. Thank you, Rich. And thank you, Jerry. We are ghosts. Good night. Good night. Good night.
Hey. Hello. How's life at Dick? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, good. Yes. Good. How's life? How's life at Dick's? Well, I just want to announce officially that um, Dix has no ability to deactivate those little soft sensors that set off the alarm at the door. So at least twice a shift, I get to tell guys, hey, there's a soft sensor on those golf balls of yours. So if you set the sensor off at the door, keep going, sir. It's just your balls. It's just your balls. So <laughs> Enjoy your balls from Dix. Yeah. How many, how, many more, how many more references can I uh, put in? I don't uh, know, but if you all says, the dicks. Huh? How many times a day do you get to say dicks? Welcome to dicks. Or... No, if you call the hotline, it says thank you for calling dicks. We hear it. I swear to God, they work it in like 20 times during the recorded I was call. Say. <laughs> and Jim. So the, yeah, it's the amazing. Odd, the odd thing, though, is that. She's now saying dicks a lot less than she did before she worked at dicks. The odd thing is she she That's doesn't true. she works at Gander Mountain. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's just so common and like yeah, I just have a lot of fun with it. Seriously, it just never. I keep thinking it's going to be less amusing one day when I wake up, but it just never is. So you have a lot of fun with what? Working at Say, dicks. Just working at being at being dicks material, like <laughs> having a necklace that says dicks on it, so I literally have a dicks neck, a dick list. What, what if you you're running this for the burp loopers, right? What if you move up to dicks <laughs> management? That's actually you know what? She'll be queen. You could have a lot of you could have a lot of dicks employees underneath you. I feel like if I could say I run this dick, you run that, that dick. You run that dick. Run this dick. Run these dicks. This dick. I want to run all of these dicks. This is my dicks. Right? See all these dicks. You know what? Look at the field of my dicks. All these dicks is mine. Are, are any of the other employees naval reservists or anything? Um. Yeah, we got a couple. We got a couple um, ex-military and such. We, you know what? We sell a lot of well, ammo. I was wondering if your dicks was full of semen. Oh, for no. former semen, you mean former semen? Former so semen. You don't. Oh, carried away. I knew where you were going with this, and my son is literally in pilot school for the for the Navy, so it's yeah. just less funny. You know, it's just less funny. Well, if he's so, in pilot um, school, then he's not a semen. Daryl says he needs a bathroom break, and then he'll be ready. That sounds like a all that pasta he was eating. See, you know what? He does this uh, and nothing's on, too. He'll get oh, wow. up and he'll be like, we'll, we all get up at like 7, because it's the only time Donnie and Daryl and I can all get together to record at 7 a.m. Jesus. And I know. And then he's like, oh, wait, I have to take a bath. I have to go to the bathroom first. So when he does jump on, do the closing of the show. And we'll just leave. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody have a good night. We are ghosts. Hey, thanks. Good night. We are ghosts. Oh, hi, Daryl. Dude, I did not know Action Lab had a mature imprint. Oh, yeah. Danger Zone. Is that the same thing as, like, the sweatpants imprint? No. That's totally different. Oh, shit. I haven't, I haven't dug <laughs> in yet, but I'm going to over the weekend. Some cool. I'm going this to... double jumpers looks cool. Yeah. I like the... Bitty Bunnies looks cool. Grave Dick. They all look cool, but. And I actually ha have seen this pirate eye before. Yeah, it's good. I think 
I think at a con I was at, somebody was peddling it, like one of the creators or somebody. Who who writes on this? On Pirate Eye? Yeah, let's see. Brian Seaton's publisher. Can yeah. I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I have everything in my file, but I don't have my file here. Oh, here we go. Josiah Gran. 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 Josiah Gran. Yeah. I think I saw met somebody peddling this at a show once, but oh, not. Okay. But, but uh, yeah, Zombie Tramp looks cool too. Yeah, it's a very big seller. I'm, I'm surprised at how popular Zombie Tramp is. I just had an incredible day at the flea market. I found all kinds of fun shit and uh, ate about way too much food. And <clears throat> it's been a good day. So I found a bunch of uh, Marvel magazines from the 70s. Like uh, Sav- oh, yeah? Savage Sword of Conan and um, the Incredible Hulk, or the Rampaging Hulk, it's called. And a couple issues of Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. <laughs> I've got a few of, I think it's Marvel Magazine, it's Werewolf. They're oh, different. They did, yeah. some, they did like a lot of horror magazines during the horror yeah. in the 70s. And then, but I always remember when I was a kid, it was like, oh, you, I was like, oh, the Hulk. Because like, when I was a little kid, the Hulk was my favorite. And, you know, my dad yeah. was like, right. no, that's the adult Hulk. You can't read that. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> Okay, so you guys could do one favor for me tonight at some point. What? Okay, say yes. Say yes. You have to tell well, it depends on what it is. Yeah, man. Say yes. I got, okay. I got, I got arrested in a foreign country for agreeing to that once. Oh my before. gosh. So at some point, I'm going to say, I've been thinking, I need all of you to react, like, demonstratively. Okay? Like, sigh dramatically, do whatever... It takes. I want it to be dramatic, okay? Well, I probably that. would Write have done down. something. I probably would have done that anyway, so. I figured, but I just want it to be all coordinated. <laughs> we're just, you're going to say, I was thinking, and we're just going to sigh? Uh, yeah. How about you know what? It, make it yours. Make okay, it go with thanks, it. Thanks, thanks, thanks for giving me the room to work. I appreciate that. Oh so, yeah, artist, I have artist, mine. Artist, I've artist, got mine. Artist, artist to artist, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to. I need you to roll your eyes, but verbally. <laughs> yes. Okay. We still waiting on Daryl? Uh, I guess we can start without him. We'll go right into eye zombie yeah, first. Oh. Is that okay with you, Jerry? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> no, let's wait for Daryl. We can do a little bit. I, you know, I'll roll my eyes demonstratively. So you can roll your eyes so loudly we can hear it in the podcast. Well, we can uh, we can just do some news. Okay. And then by then, Daryl will be ready. We can talk about Preacher. And then uh... <laughs> people who should come on. Eileen? Not Eileen. Okay. I see what you did. That was my. (laughs) I see what you did there. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, Daryl is now ready. Yes. 
He's cleared his chakras. <laughs> Does that mean colon? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know any of those things. I don't know much. Whoa. Hi. Hey. How's it going? Good. I'm, I'm still... I've made it through the week. Yes. Did you, did you wash your hands, young man? No. 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 Disgusting. Yeah. Exactly. But you made it through your first week back. That's awesome. You were out for like a couple of months there, weren't you? Yeah, it was two care, months. Didn't carry your mom? Wow. Oh, uh, yeah. That's got to be rough going back, dude. Oh. I owe it all to that butler. <laughs> Everything you are is because of that butler. That's right. Okay, so there's a little there's, bit. Oh, I'm sorry. This, is, there, is there an old Negro spiritual about this? I feel like there is. No, just a lot of tears. Wade in the water, but like toilet water. A lot, nah, just a lot, a lot of tears. But you made it to the weekend, Daryl. Yeah, yeah. Working all day. Stop making, <laughs> stop it. Massa got me digging. Okay, listen, yeah. white boy. I was gonna I say, like say um, I'm gonna say that is not your music. Massa set me free. That is not your music. That is not your music. You are not allowed. <laughs> you are not allowed. <laughs> No, that's actually, I heard Eric Cartman singing that one, so it's his music. Uh, Does Daryl go around around singing like the Carpenters and Neil Diamond? No. Exactly. Okay? Exactly. He might. No, no, but if he did, I'd be even more judgy. Uh, Well, maybe not the Carpenters, but, yeah. A little pitchy dog. We were just talking talking with Jerry about how, how much he loves working with dicks. Oh, she likes working at dicks a lot. Oh, you love dicks, huh? You know what? I'm dicks material. Uh, she might get into dicks management. That would be awesome. Uh, wow. <laughs> I just need, I just need about ten more fake surveys. <laughs> mm. You have a whole dicks. So, I, I bet dicks love you too. I bet dicks loves you right back. She's gonna right crash through that glass foreskin. Yes. Oh, come on! She'll have, a, she'll have a crack dicks crew working underneath her. <laughs> well, that's a great thing that you, you to service to service dick the way that you do. Right. It's not you the could, first time there would be know, dicks working underneath I mean, her. The sky's yeah. the limit. You could get your own office and dicks yeah. dick central. Okay. You know. Or and you can make you can you can use dick to rise to the top. I feel uh, like my whole life has been like a, just setting the stage for me to really rise at Dick. Yeah, yeah. And I, I bet with Dick, you just keep on coming. I mean, you know, that's the goal. Yeah, so it's that's the dream. It's like penis. Eyes on the prize. Eyes on the prize. That's right. <laughs> we just we just talking about Dick. Yeah, about we're about actually one of the, the PGA sponsors, and they're playing some kind of local thing for the PGA. So we had real golfers in our store and everything. I mean, I'm going to tell you. I didn't Did, even know. Many, I didn't know golfers love dick that much. Turns out golfers, hundreds of guns. I know they like to wash their balls. <laughs> wow. You got Your balls clean, Jim. Alter the flight trajectory of that ball if it's got even the slightest speck of dirt. Yeah, that's you know, grip is, did you guys know about grip? Because we yes. actually help. If you're losing your grip, 
we will regrip your clubs for you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you you'll regrip my shaft? Wow. <laughs> wow. Texas that make my clubs um, I, could, I could use a regripping on my shaft now. Who can? Hey, come on. Now. I mean, are we doing dishes with you now? That's awesome. Well, uh, you know, the butler's work is Pizza never done. Eating pasta, I told you. Oh, wow. Oh, I wish. Oh no, I got I got you guys beat today. We were out at the flea market. Two words: Amish donuts. Oh man. My daughter's well, like, this I'm is as big as my, my daughter says. Bye. My daughter says, this is as big as my head. <laughs> I don't know what an Amish donut is, but you had me at donut. Yeah. That's a big ass donut. Is what an Amish donut hand, is. Hand, handmade, hand fried, delicious. A lot of butter. Oh, lard, dude. Lard oh donut, man. You know. Oh man. I got some Amish uh, hot dogs and sausages for tomorrow's uh, grilling. So. Look I, at I you. feel like Amish cook like you remember like like when you watch Mad Men. One of the things you notice is like. The way they ate back then, and that that movie they did about Kennedy or whatever that weird Stephen King thing about mm-hmm. the day Kennedy died, like they, oh, they, yeah. oh the one like, with James Franco. They highlight the food and the, the way they did all the butter and stuff back then. Oh how, man, yes. I feel like the Amish still cook like that. They well, do. I mean, they they don't. I mean, if I get like sausage or meat cut or bacon, I mean, it's all naturally cured. It's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like the way. You, not anything like you'd find in the story. It's like they're they're animals. They do it. They're you know they do it all themselves. You know, it's really yeah. it's really uh, special stuff. So. Oh man, that that Amish. Uh, remember that Amish owned uh, thing at uh, at uh, we used to go to. Oh, the comic uh, geek speak thing. Yeah, the comic geek speak thing. Well, we, oh man, that place. The maple. I could, yeah. The maple. It was uh, owned by the Amish. Shady Maple you know, or something like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. It was so good. Oh, damn. How far are you from Amish country, Jim? Where I am now, there are Mennonites around here. But where we went today in Ohio, there are Amish right there. It's about an hour, hour and a half drive. Nice. There was a bunch at the at the flea market. There were a bunch of farmers there with uh, like fresh produce. and Got a peck, got a peck of really nice yellow uh, peppers. and. The Mennonites can cook too. There was a that prison that I worked at when I first moved to Oklahoma in northern Oklahoma. Um, there was a cafe downtown that was ran by the, these Mennonite women, and oh my God, the homemade pies and all the shit that they housed—so mm-hmm. good. I'd eat lunch there every day. Get your dishes done, everybody. Or something. Yeah. Got it rinsed. Got it rinsed. Doing it. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like somebody's doing dishes or something. Uh-huh. I, I was put I was putting away some some dishes and stuff. Were you were you, <laughs> were you operating a cotton gin? <laughs> well, the butler <laughs> as a butler for two months. Dishes? Do you watch? Do you wash your master's dishes again? Damn. Sure, listen, when master, when she when she gets up and master wants something to eat, you got to get your master get something to eat. That's his mom, man. Come on. Man. Oh, she, oh, she hits me with the arm. Working the in the big house? Well, I am working in a big house. But sometimes I want a day off. <laughs> no, you don't. Especially now in the summertime. Don't forget it. Yeah. Yeah. Shock.